This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery. Bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's Friday night! It's the preview show. It's the No Name Ever podcast. Hello and welcome to the preview show brought to you by the No Name Never podcast. I'm your host Natalie Bromley and joining me this week is Tom Whitaker because we're going to do a combination show. We decided at No Name Never HQ that none of us really had the stomach to do an hour-long um, analysis show stomaching that um, debacle, shall we say, in the FA Cup against uh, Bournemouth um, or necessarily a quite quiet game um, at home to um, Brighton as well. So we decided to combine the two and, we, and to do that we've got the lovely Tom on to talk to us. But joining both of us is the headliner himself, the main man, your star of the previous show and that is Dave Statman Roberts. Dave, hello, how are you? Hello Natalie and hello Tom. Hello, Tom. Welcome back. Your second preview show appearance. You're yeah, regular. very excited. I feel like a dab hand at it now. Uh, can I say, <laughs> I feel like we've already spoken too much about that Bournemouth game as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We had a little bit of a preview before we went on air just to see what we were going to talk about and my appetite has already gone uh, for that game as well. But um, we will do all well, Let's get the quiz question out of the way first for last week, Dave, and then we'll, we'll dive straight into a little bit of a look at what's been happening over the last um, week. So at the end of the Brighton and Hove Albion, I never... God, you never say Brighton and Hove Albion. It's a Sunday name. At the end of our Brighton preview show, we asked you, in which year did Burnley meet Brighton in the FA Cup competition for the only time in our history? That is a tricky one, Dave. What was the answer? Uh, yes, it was a tricky one, going back a little bit in time. And the answer was uh, 1961. And if there were any Clarets Plus subscribers who saw last Saturday's matchday programme, which uh, does live on this season, we don't have any printed ones any longer, but we have it in digital only format. Uh, they'll have seen an excellent photo of a young mascot alongside Burnley captain Jimmy Adamson. Uh, he was leading the team out at the Goldstone Ground uh, for the FA Cup game in 1961. Uh, that match was a 3-3 draw, uh, with Burnley coming from behind to draw in the game and get a replay. And we eventually went through after winning 2-0 at Turf Moor. That was the uh, the replay game in uh, January, I think, 1961. Excellent. Did we have any correct answers this week, Dave? Uh, we had a couple. We had uh, Adrian Caton was very quick off the mark with the answer, first through with the uh, correct answer, 1961, and also Sam Coleman got in touch with the correct answer as well. I think they were the only two we had. 
Brilliant. Did, would you have known that, Tom? Did you know it, in fact? Oh, I did not have a clue, no. <laughs> yeah. I probably could have guessed within a 20-year... <laughs> that's a bold prediction, isn't it? Within a 20-year uh, gap at either size, I could have guessed. But no, that was a good question, Dave. Well, do keep listening to the end of the show because, of course, we will have another quiz question to test your claret's knowledge. Um, Tom, I'm going to I'm gonna literally just set off the grenade and let you go. How How are you feeling after the last week? Uh, well, I'll, I'll start with the positives. I thought the Brighton point was a, a good point, probably one of the best performances of the season as well. I mean, apart from the disappointing defending for, for the corner for their goal, I thought we, we could and probably should have won that game by two or three goals. Second half, we absolutely battered them. We looked a better balanced attacking team with Vidra up front. We had a bit more about those. We were playing some nice little balls in the channels around the, around the backs of the defenders. Um, I feel like it got the best out of McNeil as well. Um, coming mm. coming inside a little bit more, having something a bit different to play off. So, uh, yeah, after that game, I mean, it, it would have been nice to have won. But, you know, with, uh, with West Brom and uh, Sheffield United losing and Fulham only getting a draw, we didn't lose any ground. And, uh, and you know, it was, it was kind of a stabilising game after the the Chelsea and Man City ones. Um, yeah. So, yeah, not disappointed after that one. No, I'm not actually. I think I think it's a bit of a difficult one. I'll come back onto this in a second. Um, in that, yeah, you're right, that second half performance was a brilliant performance. Now, I was kind of gutted that we didn't win. Um, but I think what, what I probably took out of the Brighton game is that the two teams that were probably quite similar in the league and their league positions probably reflected roughly where they are at this moment in time but both kind of cancelling each other out and it it did almost become a little bit one of those games where they couldn't really afford to lose but I think for for Brighton that was probably more important than us because in the second half we definitely went out to try and win it but apart from like you say that that scrappy goal Brighton to me never really looked like they were taking the bull by the horns and trying to win the game they were quite happy with the point um but what worries me, I think, Tom, is that, like you say, like we looked so much better up front with, with Vidra. We had a bit more about us. We just you know, got the best out of McNeil. But we still couldn't finish. And I'm just... It, it's, it's this lack of goals in our side, whether it's finishing and being clinical with chances or creating them in the first place, is going to start causing us fundamental problems if we don't change it. I think this season we're going to be all right because we're always going to have that that solid uh, base to work from the back four. You know, you, mm. you wouldn't be surprised to see us get three clean sheets in the next three games, for example. And uh, yeah. we've always been good at nicking a goal. We've always been clinical. I think the worry is probably looking beyond this season. And um, I think it's likely we're going to lose at least one of Tarkovsky and Pope in the summer. You'd have to say with that, there's probably going to be the knock-on effect that we're going to probably concede a few more goals next season. And then we are yeah. going to have to improve, whether that's getting players like Wood and Barnes back to their top form, getting them more clinical in front of goal, whether that's adding some more goals from midfield. I do think, um, especially in the middle of midfield, I know that they're not necessarily those sorts of players, but Brownhill's got a good shot on him. You know, Westwood chips in with the odd one or two. Could they start contributing a bit more? Um, but that's going to be the big worry next season. And we're going to have to, we're going to, have to improve going forward if we do lose these players defensively. Because like you say, we're not going to be able to rely on nicking these one nil wins forever, I think. I think we'll get away with it this season, but in the summer it's going to have to be something that we address for sure. 
Yeah, definitely. And it just, it worries me a little bit as well in that we are such a defensively minded side, Dave. And and that's quite right, you know, that is that is the bread and butter of the Spurner side. It's the DNA of a Sean Dash side is defend first and attack later. But the Premier League is evolving as a sport and we're also being figured out. And like you say, without the Holy Trinity at the back, um, and, you know, we've got Charlie Taylor to come back as well, but without that Holy Trinity at the back, we start shipping goals. We could literally, to me, we need a massive change in personnel in the summer. Well, yeah, I think we we, we mentioned and touched on it previously that uh, we didn't get anyone in in the uh, January transfer window. And although there wasn't a lot of action going on at other clubs, you might have thought that maybe we could have brought one or two in because every window, every successive window, where we don't bring anyone in just makes the job uh, well pushes the the issue further down the line really in terms of it being a much bigger issue for the for the summer um there, there's going to become a point where there needs to be a, a real big um influx of players and if you're doing that in one go um rather than spread you know rather evolution rather than revolution as they say um then it becomes more difficult then you've got players to bed in and you've got more disruption so um we've perhaps made the problem difficult for ourselves not just in this january transfer window it's it's something that's kind of um built and accumulated over maybe well certainly two or three uh transfer windows um but there's going to be a, a, a rebuild at some point further down the line we just hope we can um we can make the best of that, really. And, and Tom quite rightly says that, you know, the likelihood of you losing um, certainly Tarky in the in the summer, that's um, he's, he's a, a, that would be a big loss to us. To get a player of that quality in is going to be a big ask. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Tom, how are you feeling about our league position, generally speaking? Well, we were talking about this in our group chat last night. Obviously, the news has come out this week that Callum Wilson's going to be out for six to eight weeks, which is going to be a massive concern for Newcastle. Um, Newcastle are 10 points clear of Fulham at the point that we record this podcast. And I think to me, uh, with only 15 games left of the season, to overturn a 10-point swing is, um, that's just asking too much. It's, you know, you've got to win four games and lose and get Newcastle to lose four games. And at some point, you're going to run out of time. So I think for me, Newcastle are probably going to be all right. I also think we're probably going to be all right. Eight points clear of Fulham as well. Again, it's going to be very difficult for them to pull that back. Um, I guess the problem will be is that if if Fulham beat us in that game in hand, then they claw that gap back to five points. Which kind of feels a little bit uncomfortable still, doesn't it? We're not completely out of the out of the woods yet. Yeah, the, the next week is going to be huge, isn't it? Because uh... Palace, I think, especially with the amount of injuries they've got as a hard being out, that's very winnable. We could be going into the Fulham and West Brom home games with a good cushion, uh, an even better cushion than we've got now. The pressure's on them to come out. They can't afford to keep drawing. I think the reason they're going to get relegated ultimately is because they yeah. don't win games. Uh, I know Richard's a big fan of Fulham and we talk about him in the chat a lot. We do laugh at him, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> November the 30th was the last time they won a game. I mean, People say they're playing well, and they are. And it, you know, I mean, they got a draw against Liverpool, and they played very well. But it was a draw. Do you know what I mean? We didn't play that well against them, and we beat them. Brighton didn't play. I mean, Brighton did play well against them, actually, to be fair to them. But they beat them. You know, they are beatable. So, I think even if uh, you know, even if we don't get nine points out of these next three games, then those those three teams at the bottom are really going to struggle to to put enough wins together to to overtake anybody. But if if we can if we can beat Fulham and West Brom back to back. That, I think that puts it to bed, to be honest. I think if we win the next three, what, that puts us on, is it 31, 32 points, something like that? Yeah. Um, I think even with that, you're probably only needing one or two more wins at most. But I think probably even with that, that'll keep you up. 
and then we can look up and it'd be nice to sort of finish the season as we did the last one where we're, we're fairly safe we're comfortable we're not worried about going down and uh, we can put a few wins together maybe and, uh, and start looking towards the the, the upper reaches of the table I, I think it's going to be difficult to finish above like 14th 15th but I, you know, I, I really don't think we're in we're in any danger, and and we can put that to bed once and for all this week. I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Dave, what about you? Do you are you still? I know because I ask you this just because you are you're you're a little worrywart, and I do worry about you being a worrywart sometimes. So, are, are you still nervous about relegation? Do you think we've done enough so far? What are you thinking generally? Uh, I think we've done really well to get that eight point gap after the start we had and to be in the position we are and have built up that gap. That's really good. Um, you made the point about Fulham, but obviously we have to play Fulham twice. So if the worst were to happen and we to lose both of those games, then that does perhaps put a different reflection on things. Oh, that's yeah. really true, actually. I've yeah. forgotten about that, of course. Yeah, I forgot. We've still got to play the return we fixture do. yet. Mm. Oh well, so that that potential a potential worry, but um, yeah, these three games are you know three three games within uh, eight days, whatever it is. It's a real um, opportunity, but also a a threat, isn't it? You know, we've we've got uh, the power in our own hands if we get some really good results in these games to put even more pressure on those teams down the bottom, particularly uh, for West Brom and and Fulham. Those two games, although as we mentioned already, we'll we'll come on to. Uh, Palace, it's a, a winnable game, particularly in their situation, the number of injuries they've got as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, Tom, we may as well rip off the band-aid and, and let's, let's dive into this. Uh, one of the advantages of being relatively safe or being in a more comfortable league position is that you get to enjoy a cup run. We had this week one of the best opportunities we could to get to the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. However... Dash stepped in. <laughs> no, I said that's such a clickbait thing to say. Um, where do we start on picking that Bournemouth game, Tom? Dare you? It's so difficult, isn't it? Because every year we know what's going to happen. We know we're going to put a weakened team out and we're not going to try a leg and we're going to get knocked out. But every year we convince <laughs> ourselves maybe this is the year. Maybe we've had enough seasons in the Prem now. Maybe the squad's a bit stronger. And, <clears throat> you know, probably if we'd have been knocked out in the MK Don's game where we've so nearly were would have said oh you know another season and our hopes wouldn't have got up but <clears throat> I think the problem we had this season was we put a half yeah. decent team out against Fulham obviously they're a Premier League team and we played them off the park we beat them convincingly and he thought oh hang on maybe he's actually had a word this year and said do you know what let's have a bit more of a go because that's the, probably the best we've played as well as we've played certainly in a cup competition since Darsh has been manager I would say Definitely, yeah. definitely. So I think that's got everyone's hopes up a bit. That coupled with the fact that we knew we had a winnable game in the next round, and then you start looking beyond it, and yeah, uh, then you see the lineup he's picked, and he's gone back to picking a a Milton Keynes style team rather than a Fulham style team. I think probably in in hindsight, the fact that Fulham are in the same position as us meant that they were probably trying even less than we were in the fourth round. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, every every year I go to these cup games and I and I say to myself, look, don't expect anything because we're not going to do anything. And then we only have to win one or put in our decent performance, and already we're all dreaming of Wembley or not Wembley, as the case may be. And it was yeah, it was a real. I think because we'd had that Fulham performance and, and we'd had that bit of hope and and you know the, the quarterfinals and touch and distance. That's why that performance and that team selection and everything. That's why it felt like such a big kick in the uh, in the unmentionables because it was yeah it's so tantalizingly close so yeah 
it was uh, it was really really disappointing. And I've just seen that uh, Bournemouth have got the Southampton in the quarterfinals as well, so that would have been a winnable yeah. quarterfinal. Uh, not sure it would have been, to be honest. Um, I, I, to be Southampton are a good side, and Southampton are a better side, and Southampton are in a position where they genuinely can go and try and win the cup because of their league position. Um, you know, it would have been at turf, fair enough, but I'm not entirely convinced that we would have. It was probably one of the more winnable ones in the la- in the latter stages, but I, I, I'm not convinced we would have we would have won. Um, I do wonder, Tom, just picking up on what you said then, and I wonder, Dave, if you think that this is a thing. I wonder whether Dyche playing a strong team in the last round of the FA Cup was more to do with getting a psychological edge over Fulham in the league and nothing to do with wanting to progress in the cup. Uh, possibly, but I think it's it's difficult. I think. It definitely the tactic definitely worked. We made nine changes for Fulham, and I think plus in that game it was a case of there were players coming back who you know we didn't have a behind closed doors game, so they actually used that game to to come back as well. So it benefited them from that point of view, um, and you know it, it, it was a good performance, good result, um, really good day down there, and we just couldn't repeat it. I think that the one thing perhaps that uh, went against us on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, was the fact that Eric Peters wasn't playing? That sounded like it was a uh, a, a last minute hiccup. The fact that he was originally in the lineup and then well, obviously it was pointed out that he couldn't play uh, because of the suspension. He was booked in the previous two rounds. Um, he may well have even been captain for the game because he, he captained us down at Millwall. Um, so he may well have even been uh, originally down as captain for the game. But obviously uh, Phil Bardsley uh, captain the side. Um, and we just looked a little bit light. We never looked at the races at all with uh, the game against Bournemouth, and uh, we got what we deserved, really. Yeah, I've got to say, I thought um, I thought Eric Peters was really good in that Fulham game. Um, I thought he, I was really impressed with his performance. I thought he did a terrific job. Um, I don't know if I'm maybe being a little generous, but if you compare him to another fringe player of, of say of the Dale Stevens variety, if I dare mention that name. Um and you just think, you know, I thought he's I thought he's done a really good job in trying to cover for Charlie Taylor. So we'll see where we get to. Um I, I didn't see I didn't see Daisha's interview, Tom, after the, the Bournemouth game, where a couple of people did say to me that it was it was actually quite an honest assessment. Is that fair? I'm gonna read it as soon as I come off air. Do you know what I've got to the point with these interviews now where I feel like if it was really an honest assessment, he'd say I don't care, and just or he wouldn't even turn up. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think, That's fair. <laughs> he made some some fair points. I think like the one about like uh, you know if Rodriguez had scored that chance, then it would have been a different outcome maybe, or it would have been a different game certainly. And he has missed a sitter. Um, um, but uh, yeah, honestly, I think that he, he's not bothered. And uh, I, yeah, I think if he was really honest, then that's what he'd say. And, uh, you know, at least this year we haven't had to, to travel to the ground and we haven't had to stump up the money to watch it. But, like, it, yeah, True. for me, that, that if he was honest with us, and obviously there's many reasons that he can't be, but, you know, that that would be an honest interview for me, saying I'm not really bothered, I just care about the Premier League and I don't care about what happens in the FA Cup. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah, give too much credit to Yeah. Uh, quick one just before we move on to actual the, the preview show for the um, for the Palace game, Tom. Um, I saw a lot of tweets on, on social media that I genuinely agreed with. If it had been Woody who'd have missed that sitter that Jay missed, 
there it would have literally been pitchforks out and people screaming for Wood to never ever set foot in the side again. Do you think that, that it is as simple as we do have a little bit more love for Jay because he is one of ours? Or, you know, I was furious that he missed that chance, really furious. Or, you know, I, I guess I'm trying to get at what, what is the problem? Are people too nice on Jay or are they just too harsh on Woody or a combination of the both? Yeah, I think they definitely are too harsh on Wood. Uh, I mean, he does miss chances, but I think with his the goal record that he's got for us, if he didn't miss chances, he'd be banging 20 goals this season. He'd be playing for a, a bigger club, basically. Um, Absolutely. For me, I think with Rodriguez, actually, that was the first time I've seen him get quite a lot of criticism um, for this season. Obviously, he's not played well. I, I don't think he's not had a running team. He's had injuries. I think there's mitigating circumstances to why we've not seen the best of him this season. But, um, yeah, I saw him get quite a lot of criticism, and I saw, like, I mean, oh, there was quite a lot of like sack every single one of these players. None of our reserves is good enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, I do think it's like when you look at these games, it's not a coincidence that these players all play badly in the cup games. You know, it's not. I don't think everyone who played in the Accrington or the Lincoln or the Burton games needed to be sold. The, the common denominator is that you know the way they kind of coach with this game. So. I don't think yeah. every player who played in that game is bad or wasn't trying or didn't care. I think it's just how it is for us in the cup games. And I, I wouldn't be writing yeah. Rodriguez off or saying he needs to go because he missed that chance or because he didn't play particularly well. No. I think he's still got a lot to offer. Yeah, and I certainly, I can be furious at him, but without wanting to say you never play for us again. It's just, I always find it really interesting. And I think depending on your Twitter algorithm and who you follow, like, because there's a, there's a lot of Burnley fans on Twitter and obviously you don't follow all of them. Um, whoever was appearing on my timeline was genuinely like very supportive of Jay and just being like, it's all right, put your arms around him, which is what I want them to do with Woody. That's, you know what I mean? It's like, that's what I've been trying to do with him, but... Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, we'll we'll see where we get to on that. Opposition stats. Um, Dave, let's move on. Let's let's actually get stuck in now with what we came here to do, and we'll keep Tom um, with us because we want him to stay, and we will um, come on to preview, of course, this weekend's fixture, which is Crystal 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 Palace Crystal Palace away Saturday the thirteenth of February three pm kickoff, which is live on Sky Sports. Let's kick us off, Dave, with the recent history, please. Uh, yes, Burnley have played Crystal Palace eight times at Sellers Park since two thousand and nine, which is defined as our recent history for the purposes of our preview show. Um, we uh-huh. failed to win any of the three championship meetings there between twenty ten and twenty twelve. Uh, we picked up one draw but suffered two defeats. Uh, but our record in the five Premier League games since then, uh, down at Sellers Park, is much better. Uh, There have been two wins for Burnley, uh, one draw and two wins for Crystal Palace. Uh, The Premier League draw was a nil-nil. That was in September 2014, uh, when Burnley narrowly failed to take all three points after Scott Arfield's late penalty was saved one-handed by Julian Spironi. Uh, But a 2-0 Burnley win in late April 2017 was a memorable occasion, which we'll be reminiscing about later in this episode. Uh, Last season's match took place in June. That was uh, during Project Restart. And Burnley were narrow 1-0 winners. That was thanks to a goal from Captain Ben Mee. Excellent. Highlights and lowlights. Well, first section that we need to look at, the highlights and lowlights section. Kicking us off with the lowlights section, what did you pick for this section? 
Uh, well, there are a couple of candidates for this week's low light, including a heavy 5-0 defeat at Sellers Park in 2008. Uh, but as devastating results go, there was a more significant one from back in 1983. Uh, Burnley had a couple of impressive cup runs, remember them, uh, during the yeah. 1982-83 season. Uh, that resulted in a semi-final appearance in the League Cup, or Milk Cup as it was that season, and also a place in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. Uh, but our league form had not been good enough. Uh, Palace and Burnley were both struggling near the bottom of the table and it all came down to the final match in May 1983. A point would have been good enough for Palace, whereas Burnley needed to win, uh, but a 1-0 victory for the Eagles confirmed Palace's survival and sent Burnley down. Ian Edwards' second-half goal was the only difference between the two sides and began Burnley's slide towards the basement division. Oh dear, that's not a good low light. Uh, let's cheer us up a bit then, Dave. What have you picked as a highlight? Uh, well, for our highlight this week, we're going back to the 2016-2017 season for a vital victory, which paved the way for Burnley's Premier League survival, which had begun to look in serious doubt. Uh, we'd failed to win in any of our previous 17 away trips in the league that season, uh, but there was still hope we could find find an elusive victory on our travels to help the effort to stay in the division. However, Crystal Palace were not going to be a pushover. Uh, they'd actually won at Anfield the previous weekend, and although we didn't know it at the time, that result was Liverpool's uh, last Premier League defeat there at Anfield uh, for almost four years, until Burnley broke the 68-match streak just last month. Um, in the game, though, down at Palace, uh, an early opening goal from Ashley Barnes, and then another late on by substitute Andre Gray helped to deliver an away win by a 2-0 scoreline. And Burnley went on not only to survive that season, but to finish seventh and qualify for Europe in the following season. Excellent. Um, and we're going to put a link in the show notes for that, aren't we, for that particular yes. little... Excellent. Fixture flashback. Uh, well, the first of our new features for the second half of the season is our flashback. Now, Dave, how what is how does flashback work? Tell our listeners. Oh, well, yeah, fixture flashbacks. Uh, basically, your chance to get involved in the preview show. Uh, every week, we're asking you uh, to send us your match day memories from a particular game from the past against our next opponents, and we'll fe- look to feature that on the relevant preview show um, coming up. Um, ideally. We'd like you to record your thoughts and send them through to us. But if you don't feel comfortable making a recording, we'll also take written submissions and read them out. We will indeed. And our um, show notes this week say, pause for Matt to insert recording. Except we don't have a recording because, listeners, you let us down this week. Nobody sent one through. But friend of the show, VIP John Robertson, did give us a memory and said that we could read it out on the show. So, John Robertson, I will offer you. Crystal Palace 5, Burnley 0. Carlisle sent off very early and Palace rampant in search of securing a playoff spot on the final day of the season. An excellent day out, though. Well, I'm, I'm quite glad you could see through the uh, the mire of that one, young, young John Robertson. Um, Dave... Encourage our listeners to send something in, please. Uh, well, yeah, the games are coming thick and fast, so we want to hear your memories of any past home game against Fulham uh, and West Bromwich Albion. So please record your thoughts. If you could record them and drop us an email, uh, that's podcast at net. Uh, there's actually uh, a couple of websites that might make it easier to make a recording if you aren't particularly tech savvy. Obviously, you can do it yourself from your PC if you're comfortable doing that. Uh, there's a really good website I found called uh, vocaroo.com. That's V-O-C-A-R-O-O 
www.ethereumpodcast.com. Uh, it's totally free to use. There's no registration required. You go on there and provided your laptop or your phone's got a microphone uh, in there, which most of them do these days, you just click a button, you record. There's no limit on the recording, so you can make it as long or short as you want. And it then creates a link, and you just basically you can email that link through to us. It's really easy to do if you're not comfortable doing it. So I would uh, recommend and uh, hope that people can do that and get involved on uh, future preview shows. Excellent. Thank you, Dave. Heroes and villains. Uh, moving on, well, I think this might be my favourite section, actually, our heroes and villains. Um, who's our hero? Uh, well, for hero, we could easily have chosen either Ashley Barnes or Andre Gray as our hero this week for the goals they scored in Burnley's memorable 2-0 win at Crystal Palace in 2017, which we've just mentioned. But we like to share the accolades around, and instead we've opted for Burnley's goal scorer in last season's victory at Sellers Park. Captain Ben Mee epitomises Burnley Football Club and is already a modern-day club legend, although he doesn't often get his name on the score sheet. Uh, this was actually his seventh goal for Burnley. Uh, we won 1-0 down at Palace, if you remember, in uh, uh, Project Restart. Uh, but he has scored again twice for us since uh, then this season. Um, in this particular match, Ashley Westwood's floated free kick found Ben Mee near the penalty spot and he was able to guide a header in past Vicente Gaeta to score the only goal of the game. Uh, and we know that lockdowns haven't been easy for any of us, but spare a thought for Ben and his wife Sarah, who were also coping with the birth of their daughter Olive, who was born 16 weeks premature in May, just a matter of days before the players returned to training ahead of Project Restart. Um, Olive wasn't able to go back to the family until September, that was around the time she'd originally been due, uh, but he's thankfully making good progress. Uh, the match also marked Ben Mee's 300th league appearance for the club, and we think he's well worthy of the recipient of our Hero Award for this preview show. Yeah, well, I would make Ben Mee hero every single game if I could. Um, on the flip side then, and I'm hoping that we're bringing this back down to some more acceptable levels, um, who have you picked as your villain? Uh, well, for this week's villain, we're going to go back to the year 2000 uh, and the League Cup uh, second leg tie. Uh, Burnley have come from behind to draw 2-2 at Turf Moor. In the second leg at Sellers Park, Andy Cook scored for Burnley just before half-time. Um, it stayed that way until injury time right at the end of the second half. Burnley thought they were through, but um, up popped Andy Linigan uh, with a goal in the second minute of injury time to pull a goal back and take the match to extra time. Um, after that, there were no further goals, and so Palace went through on the slightly odd League Cup definition of the away goals rule, which doesn't come into play until after extra time. Uh, so for scoring the goal that knocked Burnley out of the League Cup, we're invoking a 21-year grudge to make Andy Linigan our villain this week. <laughs> Excellent. I love it. Finally then, Dave, who is the referee for this week's game? Uh, we've got Michael Oliver. He's going to be in the middle at Sellers Park on Saturday. Uh, he's refereed one previous Burnley game so far this season. Uh, that was the narrow 1-0 home defeat to Spurs in October. Uh, we haven't had the best of results in his recent games over the last few years. In fact, uh, the 1-0 win we had at the London Stadium in July, again during Project Restart, uh, was the only one of his last 11 games in charge that Burnley have won. Uh, with two draws and eight defeats in the others. Uh, Michael Oliver's taken charge of two previous matches between these two teams. He was the referee when Burnley beat Crystal Palace 1-0 at Turf Moor in September 2017. Uh, that was the last match for manager Frank De Boer, who was succeeded shortly afterwards by current manager Roy Hodgson. And he was also in charge in January 2018 
for a match at Sellers Park, which Crystal Palace won 1-0 with a first-half goal from Bakary Sacco. Uh, VAR for this match on Saturday, Australian Jared Gillett. He'll be the video assistant referee uh, just over 20 miles away at Stockley Park. And yes, I did go to a map and check how far Stockley Park was from uh, Sellers Park. <laughs> I would expect nothing less of you. Stat my Dave's Stat of the Week. Well, we know that that's not the end of it. We know you like to spoil our listeners, Dave. So why don't you dig deep into the bank of um, stats and give us your miscellaneous stat of the week? Uh, Yeah, this week's stat is uh, relating to Crystal Palace and the fact that they struggled in recent times when they've missed their star player, Wilfred Zahar. Uh, He didn't play in Palace's 2-0 defeat to Leeds United on Monday, and the Eagles' playing record without Zahar is a stark one. They have lost 17 of their last 19 Premier League games in which Wilf Zahar did not play and they failed to score in 15 of these 19 games. Uh, Burnley fans may recall that he didn't play in the reverse fixture earlier in the season, which Burnley won 1-0, and that was our first Premier League win of this campaign. Indications are that he will also be absent this Saturday. That is good for us. Well, um, before we move on to our look at the game, we, um, as we keep saying to you every week, we're not yet sure whether or not we have got an opposition view. We believe that we're going to speak to Jay Crane from the Eagles Beak. Um, and in three, two, one, you will know whether you get to hear from me or not. Three, two, one. Opposition view. So Palace's season have been very much Jekyll and Hyde. Difficult to know what we're going to expect from the side week in, week out. We go on a run of a couple of games, get a couple of wins or a draw and a win, and then it's a difficult, disappointing result straight afterwards. And it's it, it's very, it feels very much stop-start in a season which is very condensed. Uh, we know it's not easy after the last season and a stoppage halfway through. And it's difficult without fans. I think a lot of, a lot of teams that rely on their fans to support them, um, like I said, like Palace does, you know, it's... It's uh, no secret that the fans at Stellas Park are very voices for us, and I think the players do miss that. Uh, and I think a lot of players miss that. I think I think you see teams and players, you know, lack of celebrations, and and you know because it's just you know Ryan and Moore they're going through emotions and that kind of stuff. So I think from that perspective, it, it makes it doubly difficult. And you know, in in the current climate that we're in, the pandemic and everything else that's been going on for the last what twelve months or more. Yeah, it makes things a little bit privileged when it comes to football, and, and and football have been footballers have been directed in terms of, you know, the privileges and you know the breaking the rules and stuff like that. And it's it, it's it's a minefield, it really is. And not making excuses at all. It's been a tough season for Palace, but actually, when you look back at it, you know, if we'd have beaten Leeds on Monday night in what was a really poor performance, and again, that just sums up our season. We had two really good wins, and then we didn't turn up at Leeds. But if we'd have won that game, that would have been our second best points tally at this stage of the season um, in, in in the top flight. So, you know, when I say it's been very Jekyll and Hyde and fans have been disappointed with the season and disappointed at the players and the management and that kind of thing, it's actually, when you look at the stats and, and look at it on paper, it's actually not been a bad season and we're not far away from, you know, pushing into the top 10, which is something we finished 10th, the highest finish in the Premier League. So, you know, when you take everything into consideration, it's actually not a bad season. But some of the performances have kind of overruled exactly where we are and some of the decision making as well. So it's it's been a difficult one. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, looking ahead to the game, uh, Burnley's visit of 
to to Sellers Park is uh, is one where they're looking to continue their winning streak. I mean, two one nil wins against Palace. They're looking to make it a third in a row without conceding as well. When I'm hoping that Palace uh, will know that and will look at that and 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 oh, Burnley won. Uh, I would say uh, in, in this game, and it's certainly a game that we should be looking to win at home. But we know what happened at home last season. It was very much. Uh, you know, a, a bit of a smash and grab, but you know, no disrespect to Burnley. I mean, Burnley did what they needed to do in that game and got the points. And yeah, we've done that before in games. So Palace need to learn from that and uh, on Saturday and uh, yeah, be ready to match Burnley in that game. In terms of Palace's main threat, I mean, obviously Wilfred Zaha uh, looks like he's going to miss the game, second game in a row that we're not going to have him for uh, through a hamstring injury. And that's really tough because everyone knows the statistics around Palace and not having Wilfred Zaha and it's difficult for us to win without him. But anybody, any team, you know, like us that has a star player like Wilfred Zaha will will miss him, you know, when he's not playing uh, and when he's having an off day. You know, he's he's that much of a dynamic player that can do something from nothing. So any many team that would have a, a player like Wilfred Zaha would miss would miss him. So you know I think a lot is made of that uh, in terms of Palace and a club like Palace, you know, and having a player like Zaha, it's just you know he's our best player by some distance. But having said that, you know we've got somebody who not waiting in the wings, but has already shown in the Premier League this season that he can be a real threat, and that's Ebrecht Chiesa. Brilliant signing from Queen's Park Rangers in the summer. Uh, don't think a lot was made of the signing, actually. I think a lot of clubs were looking at him and uh, and, and perhaps didn't want to take the gamble. You know, scored a few, quite a few goals for for QPR last season in the Championship, and you know there there was a probably question mark over whether he could do it in the Premier League. But he's he has he's come in and done it. You know, he's he scored goals. Free kick against Leeds was fantastic. That goal against Sheffield United, you know, picking up the ball and running with it. Yeah. You, you could argue that defenders could have done better with the tackles, but he glides with the ball. He picks up the ball and just glides and makes up ground really quickly with it. And it's hard for players to to take the ball off him. And he's a very he's quite a different player to Wilf, to be honest. Uh, he he's he's very different on the ball. Wilf's a very very in your face kind of player, and not so much speed now, but skill. But Eze is just you know picks up the ball, and makes up ground so quickly. It's, it's as if he's on roller skates, which is bizarre. So I see him as a as our, as our real main threat in this game this weekend if he can turn on the form and being back at Sellers Park. You know he scored goals at Sellers and hopefully he should do that. In terms of formation, who knows, Roy? Really don't know. It's ch- it's chopped and changed recently, and we we look to attack players and and have an attack lineup and hasn't really worked for us fans want to see attacking football from Roy and Palace but you know we've got a really I think that's a frustration we've got a very talented squad of players this season and a lot of fans think that we should be doing better I think you have to take that with a pinch of salt you know with the way that football is is happening this season I think you know footballers are you like I mentioned earlier they're privileged and um, they're in a position where you know they're playing and not in front of fans. It's very different for them. They're still carrying on doing what they normally do, but they don't have the fans there, which I think is a big thing. But not making excuses. You know, Palace probably should be better in a, in a higher position than than they are. A lot of question marks about Roy in the summer as well. Is uh, is in his last year of his contract. It runs out in the summer, as do quite a number of our squad. Uh, I think it's about 12, 13, maybe 14 players that are out of contract in the summer as well. So a big turnover in the summer we're looking ahead to. But looking forward to the game. Uh, wish Burnley uh, the best of luck for the rest of the season and uh, hope to see you again next season. 
Okay, so boys, how are we feeling? Tom, let's come back to you for a little bit. Give uh, give young Dave's voice a little bit of a rest. How are you feeling about the game at the weekend, generally speaking? Yeah, I think it is a good time to play them. I was looking at uh, the list of their injuries, and uh, there's quite a few quite a few players out. And the big one, obviously, is Zaha. I think they look a completely different team when he's playing as to when he's not. I know that when we beat him at the turf, he was missing for that one. Um, so yeah, I think it basically, if I look at Crystal Palace's team sheet. And Wilfred Zaha is not playing. I'm pretty optimistic. I don't think they've got a lot of goals in them. So I'd like to think if we can go there, attack them, get the first goal. I think it might be a similar story to what we had in the in the lockdown last season. Get the first goal, and we can sit on that. And I'd, I'd be confident that we could we could hold on to a one goal lead. So I think it will set us up really nicely if we can get those three points as well. Puts the, all the pressure on Fulham and West Brom, not only to get results this weekend, but also when they come to the turf. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm feeling good. I'm ready to banish the spectre of Bournemouth and get three points at Selhurst on Saturday. Brilliant. Um, that's, the, that's the problem, though, isn't it, Dave, what, what Tom was saying there? It's like you'd like to think we'd go and attack them, but the problem is is that we just don't do that, do we? And it, it, it's kind of frustrating. Uh, yeah, it's a rarity for us to go all out in the first half and uh, and try and get an early lead and, and, and take the game to sides. It's more a a cautious approach and we'll kind of work our way into the game, maybe try and sneak a goal um, and we don't worry too much if we haven't scored the first half because we'll try and do it in the second. Um, maybe it is an opportunity, but we, we, we are wary. I mean, away games are difficult. We don't win many of them. We look back at history and the percentages and although our away win percentage is better now than it was, it's still not brilliant. It's only like something like one in five um, away games, although obviously you've got a factor in there. There's a lot of the... Um, uh, the big six sides you're playing where you're getting much uh, lower percentage than that. So you should be getting a, a higher percentage against uh, the other teams in the, in the division. Um, I, I think the timing could have come right for us. In terms of their injury list, they've got about nine or ten players out. Um, we mentioned already about Will Sahar. We, well, it's fairly sure he's not going to be available. Um, there's a whole host of other players that aren't available uh, as well. So from that point of view, it could well be a good time to play them. And yeah, we need to... Uh, try and take advantage of that, really, and, and maybe for once um, try and take the game to uh, to the opposition, even though it is uh, away from home. Yeah, definitely. Um, Tom, in terms... Actually, uh, Dave, do, do we have any injury news yet? Uh, we yeah, whether... we had the press conference earlier today. I think it's a little bit cagey. I think um, Josh Brownhill, I think, looks like he's more likely than not to be back. Um, Jack Cork, I'm not too sure. Uh, they mentioned possibly about Popey having a knock as well, although I think I think he'll be available. Um, of the others, I would doubt any of those will be back. I don't think Woody will be back. I don't think um, Charlie Taylor will be back. Who else was there? Uh, that's oh, it, yeah. isn't it? So it, yeah, I, think, I, I think when they say they touch and go, they're usually more, well, they, they, they usually don't play when, when, when they touch and go. Put it that way. Yeah, for about for about three months. Um, so, Tom, Tom, on that basis, then who do you choose up front? Stick with Vidra. Yeah, I think the, just the team looks better with Vidra. I wouldn't say necessarily he's playing that well himself. Obviously, we were talking about finishing earlier, and mm. I think he was guilty of missing a couple of decent chances in that uh, in that Brian game. And uh, you know, there's been a few people saying as well. It's been a long time since Rodriguez has scored in the Prem. Been even longer since Vidra scored in the Prem. But having said that, for what he brings us. Overall, I would definitely have him in there. And I think him and Barnes linked up really well in the Brighton game, so I'd have absolutely no issues playing them too up front. Again, I think they've earned another yeah, start together. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, score prediction then, Dave? Um, I'm going to be cagey and go 1-1. One, one. 
course you are. Um, <laughs> yuck. Uh, Tom, score prediction from you. <laughs> it's normally 1-0 either way, isn't it? But I'm going to push the boat out this time. I'm going to say 2-0 to Burnley. Excellent. Well done. I'm going to go one further and I'm going to say 3-0. I'm feeling optimistic. Um, I know. Well, do let us know what your score predictions are if you are listening to this preview short ahead of the game. Don't send them if you've already, if the games would have been done, because that would be cheating. Um, <laughs> you know how to get in touch. You can tweet us at Ever or you can email us at podcast at knownandever.net. Fantasy Premier League update. Dave, second half of this week's preview short is, of course, the Known and Ever Fantasy Premier League, which is which in this case is when Tom snoozers because he doesn't play it but that does mean of course that I am not last in the current known and ever panel in terms of places in the league so game week uh, 22 and 23 we need to catch up with this week don't we Dave so take it away what's been going on uh, we do yes we've got uh, when we recorded last year you weren't with us Matt and I recorded for the uh, Brighton preview there was still the um, uh, match on wasn't there it was Chelsea and Spurs were still playing on the Thursday right. when we uh, recorded so we weren't able to get the uh, Kings of Game Week or a, a league table update um, but we, we have got now um, an updated league table we'll do that first and then we'll go through uh, well go through our our positions, and then we'll look at the Kings of Game Week uh, 22 and 23. So in terms of our no near never league, our top five as it stands after Game Week 23, uh, we've got Stee Holden is up to fifth place with 1,441 points. Uh, we've got Gary Proctor up to fourth place with 1,449. Uh, Sean Danaher, who was our guest last week, um, he had a nice. he had a good week. Uh, he's gone up to third position now on 1,454 points. Uh, and then we've got Charlie Binns, who had been a leader for a while. He was at, he's in second position on 1,478, and our leader is Adam Dennett. 1,486. Well done, Adam. What about uh, the Nona Never team, please? How are we all doing? Uh, well, you are 235th out of... Well, we must have lost someone. I, I checked. It was 241. We've now got 240, so someone's dipped out. So they they haven't been kicked out by me. They've kicked themselves out. Uh, so we've now, we've now <laughs> only 240 teams, not 241, and you are 235th. And I'm insistent that the bottom 10 is the relegation zone. You don't have just bottom three. No, no I'm, I'm, that's, that's... I'm the admin. I make the rules. Wow. If you were in the bottom, if you were in the bottom five, it'd be the bottom three. No. Honestly. No. There's no danger of that. Tom, help me out here. Who's ever heard of a bottom 10 for a relegation zone? That's just ridiculous. <laughs> I think we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we, if there was a bottom 10 this season? Yeah, so, yeah, I'm not <laughs> in favour of that concept at all. Bottom four would be in trouble. See, Dave, you're outvoted. I mean, I'm not in the relegation zone. Go on then. How are you doing? Uh, well, I didn't have a very good week either. I'm, I was down to 145th place. I'm on uh, 1,199 points. I'm still almost 300 points ahead of you. So I think. Um, that's an unassailable uh, lead, I think, pretty much, with uh, even with almost half the season to go. Uh, Richard Steele, though, he leads the way in our podcast's mini-league, uh, but he's 94th place in our No Near Never League on 1,265 points, although it's very close in the middle of that table. A good week can easily result in a rise or fall of 20 or maybe 30 places or more, depending on uh, how you do for the week. So all to play for in the middle of the league, those down the bottom, yeah, struggling, really. I'm not struggling. I'm just, I've got 
better things to do with my time. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about the kings of game weeks 22 and 23 then, please? Right, we'll do 22 first. We had uh, an 11 in formation of uh, 3 five two so we had uh sanchez uh brighton in goal we had our three defenders were one bisaka uh justin and bogle we had a midfield of fernandez lingard alzate uh, jorginho and madison and up front we had a martial and billy sharp that was our uh 11 for game week 22, and I think the highest score in there, that's a couple uh, joint high scorers were uh, Wan Bissaka of Manchester United and his teammate Bruno Fernandes. They both had 17 points for the game week. So that was uh, game week 22. And uh, game week 23, uh, we had a team in formation of 3-5-2 again. Uh, we had a Meslier of Leeds in goal. We had a defence of uh, his teammate, uh, Dallas and we had uh, Tete and Dunk alongside him. Uh, midfield was uh, Foden, Almiron, Gundogan, Jorginho and Decore. And up front, uh, Calvert-Lewin and Werner. And that was the 11-4 game week 23. And the highest of those players was uh, Phil Foden. He had 16 points the week, so he was the highest uh, point scorer for game week 23. Yeah, I'm not entirely surprised at that. I thought in all the games I watched Foden play last last week, he was spectacular. Um, Well, in the second of our new features for this week, we have got the opposition three to watch based on performances in the Fantasy Football League. So... Crystal Palace, where are we with this, Dave? Well, it's actually two to watch because uh, the high-scoring player is, and this is up to, again, uh, the end of game week 23, is Will Sahar. He's uh, the only one over 100 points for uh, Crystal Palace. He's got 102, um, but we're fairly certain he won't be playing on uh, Saturday. Uh, But the other two are uh, goalkeeper Vincente Gaeta with 77 points. And the third place player is the one we actually picked as our one to watch when we did the reverse fixture uh, early on in the season. Uh, and that was uh, Eberiche Eze with 74 points. Ah, excellent. Um, so what, what does that do now in terms of the Fantasy League, Dave? Are we up to date? How, how, what's happening next week? Well, we are up to date, um, but it, again, it depends. With the midweek matches now and which game week they get included in, it's going to be a little bit tricky. So it just be a case of bear with us. We'll do the updates for the upcoming preview shows with whatever games we've got available, or it may be there might be one time where we're just in the middle of a week, we can't do anything. And if we do that, we'll, we'll do, do do what we've done before, we'll either get someone else on or maybe we'll look at a particular aspect of it in terms of uh, form or high-scoring players or something like that. So we'll we'll have something, have something on Fantasy Premier League every week with whatever's available. Excellent. And managers, good luck in the meantime. Let us know how you are getting along. Statman Dave's quiz question. And finally, Dave, we close out this week's preview show with, of course, this week's quiz question. Take it away. Uh, yeah, this week's quiz question is, uh, Sean Dyche has been in charge for both of Burnley's most recent wins against Crystal Palace at Sellers Park. We've mentioned them both in the uh, earlier in the show. Uh, but before that, who was the previous Burnley manager to oversee an away win against Crystal Palace and what was the year? Excellent. Tom, without revealing your answer, do you know this? 
Oh, I reckon I could have a good stab at that one. Excellent. Yeah. Well, before we go, when we go off air, before we close off the call, we will get your view, see if you've got it right. Dave, everybody else, how do they submit their answers, please? Uh, yes, if you want to get in touch with your guests, please do. Uh, you can tweet us or preferably send us a direct message on Twitter. That means that your answer isn't revealed to anyone else. That's at no near never. Uh, you can email us. Uh, and again, no one will see your email. Uh, that's podcast at net. Or you can also reply to the post for this preview show on either the No Near Never Facebook page or on YouTube, and we'll reveal the correct answer, as we always do, at the start of the next preview show. Excellent. Uh, community news then, Dave, have we got anything else that we need to share with our listeners? Any changes in fixtures? Any? Oh, I'll tell you what we have got before we move on. Tom, how did you... Um... How did you think about Burnley's announcement this morning that they are professionalising the women's team? Yeah, that's uh, it's really good news. A lot of clubs are doing that now. You know, it's, it's, uh, we're finally sort of moving into the 21st century as regards to women's football in this country. I've been down and watched. So they play um, Derby women's team who are in the same division. They play in the village that I live in. Oh, wow. Um, so whatever Burnley play away at Derby, I do go down and watch. Uh, I went to the one, I think it was the last game, the last football match I went to actually before the lockdown was Derby v Birmingham, the women's football So. Yeah, it'd be nice to see the standard improve there and uh, and hopefully be able to go to a few more games when they hopefully when they start moving up the divisions. Yeah, definitely. I mean, our chairman's targeted 2025 as a promotion to the to the women's championship, which would just be um, fantastic if we can do that within three years. Um, obviously, the clubs being taken out from under the role of um, under the umbrella of, in the community side and taken straight into the, the the actual club itself. The the girls are going to be sharing. Um, Barnfield Training Centre with the senior men they're going to have access to all of the same facilities and training and exposure I'm just absolutely delighted I mean obviously Burnley are my club but um, you know in terms of, of women's super league and things like that I, I tend to, to watch City because traditionally they'd City ladies because they'd been our most local side in terms of sort of top flight um, women's football um, and it's great I don't need to I don't need to follow them anymore I can uh, I can carry on following Burnley right the way up to the Women's Super League, which is going to be fantastic. Um, Dave, nothing else is there to, to report? Uh, no, I didn't have anything else to add for this week. Excellent. Well, that is all we have time for. Uh, my thanks firstly to Tom. Tom, thank you for giving up your, what day is it? Thursday night, um, to um, have to go through that devilish Bournemouth um, not, but yeah, but, sorry, Bournemouth performance and join us for the previous show. It has been a pleasure having you as always. It's always nice to be on. Thank you very much for having me. No problem. Uh, my thanks also go to uh, VIP John Robertson for his fixture flashback contribution. Dave, we need to rename that fixture. I, I spit my words out every time I say it. For the It's alliteration. I, I'm not very good at alliteration. <laughs> um, to, to Jay Crane from the Eagles Beak for the opposition view, who I do now know did actually. I know after 3-2-1 that his voice got slotted in because um, while we were recording, his his preview came through. So thank you, Jay Crane from the Eagles Beak. Um, to Turfmore Stadium announcer Dominic Walker for his specially recorded preview show announcements to producer Matt for producing this and getting it out there. But my final thanks to the main man himself, Dave Roberts, who produces, edits, researches, facts, checks, does the whole of the preview show. This is his brainchild it's his product and he is phenomenal at doing it thank you as ever dave um we will be back right when on earth will we be back uh we will be back next friday i presume dave uh because we've got a saturday fix. no no before then yeah we've got got Fulham, haven't we oh my lord right dave and i will try and do a preview show at some point between now and the fulham game 
There's good news uh, on that though, because I've prepared it already because the the game was postponed. I mean, actually, we did record it for, oh, uh, for that, if you remember. True. Yes. Well, we'll have to record again, I think. Do we? Can we not? <laughs> yeah. Can we not recycle it? Okay, we might recycle it, but we might not do. But yeah, so there will be. If it, it might be recycled, but there will be a, a preview show for Fulham, and then obviously next week as well, we'll, we'll have the West Bromwich Albion game. Um, I suspect that we will try and. I suspect we'll probably do an analysis show on Thursday, and just because we'll probably put Palace and Fulham together, uh, but I will speak to the to the rest of the team and see what we want to do about an analysis show. And um, in the meantime, people stay safe. Um, I hope people who are starting to come through with the vaccination program are um, doing well and are looking forward to some return to normality. Um, but in the meantime, take care of yourselves and take care of your loved ones. Um, and let's hope that we'll all be together on turf more soon. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the Known and Never podcast. Until next time. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.